Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful hymn, a reminder that our baptism, our faith is meant to impact our lives. Because we are people of the book. We're a people of God's promises. If you were here last week, hopefully that sounds uh, familiar. If you weren't, uh, you can catch up on that. We've got a podcast, we record uh, the, the uh, services. Uh, you're only one episode behind. So, uh, easy to get, to get caught up. As we look at, at the Word of God, we, we have talked about two verbs that are meant to define us. We're meant to be known by the Word and guided by the Word of God. Or another way to pronounce it is normed and guided. Right? Normed and guided. We're meant to be shaped by the Word of God. We're meant to be defined uh, by His promises, by His Word. And ultimately what that does is that gives us a different perspective on life. And so today, what I want to take that perspective with us to is the question of what belongs to me? What belongs to me? Because I think when we look at the Word of God, we realize oftentimes we carry a lot of the things that don't actually belong to us. And meanwhile, the things that really matter, we aren't holding on to as tightly as we need. What belongs to us? See, our gospel reading about the baptism of Jesus really answers that question for us from a couple different perspectives. And so if you have your, have your Bible, so open up to Matthew chapter 3. Uh, we'll be starting at verse 13. Again, if you don't have your Bible, so feel free to call your phone, open up uh, the Bible there. That's just fine. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. And the, the first perspective that we're going to look at is the perspective of John the Baptist. See, the, the, the verses preceding this kind of give us a picture of who John is. I mean, clearly he's not about uh, following uh, the norms of the culture. He's not about fitting in. We, we, that's what we get from the first verses. I mean, he's wearing some weird things. He's doing some weird things. Uh, he's not the most popular preacher in terms of the religious leaders at the time. He's the exact opposite of an influencer in, in our days. And yet, uh, John the Baptist is focused on his mission. His job is to point to Jesus. His baptism is a baptism of repentance. For the wandering children of Israel to bring them back so that when Jesus comes, they would realize this is who the scriptures have been talking about the entire time. His whole job is to point to Jesus, and lo and behold, Jesus comes to John the Baptist. And from his perspective, you have to kind of think, he brings a big sigh of relief. I'm done. He's here. It's a lot easier to point to someone when they're standing right in front of you. And, and, and just imagine, just as John's about to say, all right, I'm done. This is the guy. Here's the baton. Jesus is going to take it from here. He finds out what Jesus is there for. Jesus is there to be baptized. Now John's confused. This is verse 14. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? See, this doesn't make sense. John has a baptism of repentance, of confessing sins, of turning away from them, and Jesus doesn't need to do that. 
I'm supposed to be pointing to him. Why is he coming to me? This doesn't make sense to what John thought the picture is. So Jesus responds to him. Verse 15, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Now, as you and I need to hear that, I don't exactly know what that means, but he said the word thus, so it probably is true. I mean, no one says the word thus unless they know what they're talking about. Right? Thus says the Lord. Thus ends the story. Montel Jordan's song, Thus is How We Do It. Right? You use the word thus, and you probably know what you're talking about. It. But we hear John's response here. We don't know exactly what it was that, that caused him uh, to respond, but here we get three words. Then he consented. Not then he understood. Uh, not then he changed his mind. Not then he said, oh, well, that is a good idea. I should not, as you look at how great I am, then he consented. And in these three short words, we see actually an answer to our question, what belongs to me? Because what John the Baptist is doing here is he's giving up control. He's giving up control over his ministry, over his plans, over what he thinks is right, and he's handing it over to the Lord. Now let's pause for a moment and think how significant that is. We love to be in control. That's like a universal thing about all of us as humans. We love to be in control. And whenever we're out of control, we get worried and we become fearful and all sorts of problems start happening. What John does here is he realized control does not belong to me. So to, instead of trying to grasp it, instead of trying to reach out, trying to take that for himself, he holds his hand open. He gives control over God, and in doing so, in realizing control does not belong to me, he sees Jesus, the one who he's been pointing to more clearly. He baptizes Jesus, and in that moment the heavens are open. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove coming to rest on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. John gives over control and he sees Jesus more clearly. His control does not belong to us. The scripture doesn't tell us what John the Baptist is doing while uh, this miraculous intervention is going on. But I have to imagine... He's kind of over there at the edge of the water, just pointing at Jesus. Like, this is what I've been talking about. This is the Son of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He gave up control and he saw Jesus more clearly. So control does not belong to us ultimately. But when we look back at the story through the perspective of Jesus, we get another answer for a question. See, from Jesus' perspective, why is he going to the Jordan River anyway? 
He's going to be baptized by John. And, and specifically to the Jordan River, that's where God's people, they, they marched through the Ark of the Covenant, led them through into the promised land. It's, it's kind of the beginning of them becoming the people uh, of God in this new place, God fulfilling his promises. And so Jesus comes to the Jordan River to be baptized. And yet he doesn't need to be baptized. There's nothing he needs to be repentant, repentant of. He's not wandering. But Jesus' entire ministry is to do for Israel that which they cannot do for themselves. To do for God's people that which they cannot do for themselves. To follow God's path in the midst of people who are wandering. To be perfect in the midst of people who have sinned. To be obedient in the midst of people who are strength. And that begins at his baptism. See, Jesus' ministry, it's a vicarious ministry, is the fancy term for it, where he does in place of others. And so beginning with his baptism is he's beginning by becoming faithful Israel. By being baptized for those who are unrepentant, for those who have wandered. Because his entire ministry is pointing to the fact where he will carry all those sins, not just in the Jordan River, but he will carry all those sins to the cross, where he will pay the price to rescue wandering children of God. This all begins in baptism of Jesus to fulfill all righteousness, which ultimately is fulfilled in the cross of Jesus Christ. In his death and resurrection, he answers the question, what belongs to you? No longer is the answer in your sin. Because of what Jesus has done, your sin no longer belongs to you. He's taken it on himself. This is what Luther calls the great exchange. As we give God our sin, our brokenness, our fears, our worries, our failures. And in return, he gives us his righteousness. To be honest, it's a pretty bad trade. Uh, some of you guys follow, follow sports in Europe, and it's, this trade's terrible. I don't understand why we trade this guy for that guy. This is way worse than any of those. And yet, God willingly gives up his very life and takes your sin. Because he doesn't want you to carry your sin for your sin, for your failure, your brokenness to belong to you anymore. Think about how often you start the day and, and you say the wrong thing, something happens to you, and that just ruins your whole day. Or it ruins your whole week. Or if, if it's constant things that are being done to you or that you're doing, it, that defines your life. But Jesus says, no longer does that have to define you or belong to you. It belongs to me now. I have cared. I've taken it from you on the cross. And this is what Paul is talking about in our epistle reading. If you want to flip to Romans chapter 6, this is where Paul takes not just the baptism of Jesus, but really it's the baptism which points to his death and resurrection. That's what we're baptized into. It says, this is where this great exchange happens. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 
We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. See, that gives us the third perspective from Scripture on this question, what belongs to me? The third perspective is you. You who have been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, baptized into the death and the resurrection of God, you have been given this gift, this opportunity for this great exchange to play out not just once a week, not just once a year, not just one time after baptism, but every moment of every day of looking through our life and saying, this belongs to me, I'm going to hold on to it. This doesn't belong to me, I'm going to pass it away. It's like if, if you're an aunt or an uncle, and you're watching your niece and your nephew, and you're playing with them, that they're little, and all of a sudden you start smelling something. At that point you go, this doesn't belong to me. Here you go. This is what we're called to do with the things that do not belong to us in our lives. Instead of holding on to them, you say, this no longer belongs, uh, uh, this no longer belongs to me. I think I need to go uh, test the screen so that it doesn't, it's not fine. Yeah, it's good. It's there good. we go. Technology's got to love it. That doesn't belong to us either. <laughs> so, just imagine the life of faith, normally guided by the Word of God, where each and every day we we live out this great exchange and hold on to that which God has given us. I mean, we start the, the day this, this in the morning. Does this day belong to me? No, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This day does not belong to me. Whatever happens in this, in this day, I'm kind of along with the bride, and, and God is in control. We hold that with hands open. And then we, we wake up, and, and inevitably, uh, as we interact with those that we love the most, whether it's those in our household, our close friends, uh, those tend to be the people we sin against the most, uh, by the way. And uh, so we, we blame it on the fact that we haven't had a coffee or a caffeine, or that's not the problem. The problem is sin. And, and so we say something, we do something that, that we shouldn't, oftentimes right away in the morning. But instead of having that define, ruin, and carry our day, God invites us to confess that sin, to bring it to Him, and, and say, This is my fault. I'm responsible for this. And I bring it before you for healing and forgiveness. And what God does is he takes, he carries that sin so it no longer belongs to you. It no longer has to define or rule your day. You're set free because that sin is yours anymore. Christ has carried it. And it is not just meant to define your day. Also, whoever you sinned against, you don't want that sin to define and belong to them. And so we confess to one another. Confess that we take responsibility and ownership over our sin. We ask for forgiveness. And when we forgive one another, we are again set free from control of that sin. And all of this is before like 9 a.m. 
realize that this, this exchange uh, changes and reorients us on a day-to-day -day moment. So we go about our day, we go to whatever the vocation that God has placed us, whether it's work or school, uh, volunteering, taking care of the family, whatever it is. And that vocation, those people that God has given us to serve are gifts. They don't belong to us, so they're not our children, it's not our job, it's the Lord's work, it's the Lord's kids. And yet God has given us this gift to care for them. And so when we take that, that responsibility, we take that opportunity to serve, to share the love of Christ, to do our best in faithfulness to Him. But all the while, holding out their hand open, thanking Jesus for the gifts that He has given us and the people around us. So we, we check our, our bank account. We can easily be worried about, well, I don't have enough. And yet we realize it doesn't belong to me. My name may be on the account, but it doesn't belong to me. This is the Lord's. So what can I do with that which he has given me to make an eternal difference? Take what is temporary and invest it in something that's eternal. Think about how much time spent worrying that can be freed up in our lives. So we go throughout the day, we, we hold on to the promises of God that I am forgiven, that I am loved, that I am chosen. That's what belongs to us. That's what we hold on to. And, and we let go of that which belongs to God, our sin, our failures, our shortcomings. And as we do that throughout the day, inevitably we get to the end of the day and we realize, I haven't done nearly as much as I should have. I haven't accomplished all that I hoped and dreamed, and even now which I did, I did not do perfectly. And we have two options. We can either... Spend all night worrying and wondering how I could have and should have done better. Right? That's not the best option. Or we can take that. We can hand it over to God and say, God, this belongs to you. I've done the best that I can. And, and I'm going to rest. It's just like you offered and you told me, that I'm going to rest knowing that I and the rest of this world are in your hands. Uh, and the next day I'll get up and I'll, I'll take uh, whatever responsibilities from you. I will do my best, but I'm going to rest knowing that this is all in your hands. Because at the end of the day, really, the answer to the question of what belongs to you is that you belong to God. That that's the promise that we hold on to. Because when we do that, when we live this great exchange, holding on to God's promises, letting go of that which he has taken from us, we end up looking a lot like John the Baptist. Pointing to Jesus, saying, this is the light of the world, that light that shines in darkness, that darkness cannot overcome. And may the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until he calls you home.